Hey, welcome to the 8 a.m. Coffee Podcast. I'm Asher. I've got Paul with me, and we have a special guest today. This is Mark McKinney. How's it going over there, Mark? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm awake. Doing good. You um, and me both. <laughs> I did want to tell everyone also that we have started up a Patreon page, as many people do who have podcasts and things but we're trying to do something special with it right now and if you do decide to donate even as little as a dollar we're going to give 50 percent of everything to second harvest food bank so i'm going to post a link to that down here and we're all gonna share the feed and then um mark will you tell what? us yeah yeah what is patreon I, I know we're trying to get to mark really quickly but like what what what, what is patreon like i patreon. i have never heard of it in my life yeah so. you need to go check it out then because we have one now so patreon is this thing for really any creative person who is creating content like if you make videos if you make podcasts people can donate money to you to keep you going and um get exclusive things like let's say they give like ten dollars a month it's like a monthly subscription kind of thing um and then you can make some cool stuff depending on the different tiers of giving so for us there's there's not a whole lot of like crazy cool stuff but at the moment if you're giving like five dollars we give you a shout out if you give if you give a hundred dollars we're going to give you a five minute segment live on the podcast and we'll talk about whatever you, you want, as long as it's PG. If you give a hundred dollars, I'll fire up the truck and bring it up to your house and cook. <laughs> at this point, that's that's a lot. Mm. Um, let's not make that a promise, but we'll, no, we'll let's talk. not. Let's <laughs> not. <laughs> so Mark. So Mark. Yes. What do you do? Morning. What's your name? What's your sign? Uh, Mark McKinney. I'm a Virgo. Um, well, so what I do currently, I am unemployed as of about three weeks ago, but, uh, gotcha. prior to that, um, so Paul and I, you know, I, I'm on here because I know Paul and I've been watching you guys and jumped in on a thread a little bit and then Paul and I messaged, but, uh, you know, I was, was a chef here in the Knoxville area and other areas for about uh, 29 years. Um, still in the industry. Uh, the reason why I, you know, now I call myself a culinarian, I guess, because I don't cook professionally anymore. The, the reason for that is about four years ago, I was uh, feeling pretty sick, kind of going to a lot of doctors, trying to figure out what I had going on, found out I have an autoimmune disease uh, and through a lot of, um, you know, help with, uh, functional medicine doctors and just getting on the internet and doing my own research, realized that food was a big issue for me. Um, makes it very hard to be a professional chef when you have food issues and food sensitivities and things like that. So I moved over to the other side of our industry, which would be more on the distribution and manufacturing side which is what I've been doing for the last couple of years until the uh, coronavirus uh, decimated our industry. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's killing a lot of the restaurants, especially the, the small independents. But, you know, that, that whole, um, it doesn't just stop with them. And, uh, and that's kind of the surprising thing. You know, we used to always say that 
you know, people have to eat, so you'll always have a job. And, and it's taken one virus to kind of show us that that's not exactly the case. So, uh, so now I'm just hanging out at the house, you know, and uh, trying to figure out what the next steps are and see, I guess, how long this thing's going to last. Hopefully the job will come back. Uh, if it doesn't, I'll find something else. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Gotcha. Yeah, Paul has talked about you since the first time uh, you commented on something, and I told him, like, I'm fascinated by just food in general and the health side of things, so I would really love to hear more about, like, just what you know about that. Sure. I mean, just, uh, for me, as basic as possible is great. Yeah, yeah. And, Dude, he is well, so smart when it comes to this. I'm just being flat out about it. Yeah. So, like, he really is. So, well, please. You know, thank you. But I, and I'll preface that by saying that, one, I am not a medical professional. And anything that I say, I cannot be held liable for. Everything that I will talk about is based on my own experiences. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, the I, I guess to kind of go back a little bit you know i've uh i'm pushing 50 i've been cooking in restaurants things like that i started doing work, working with food when i was probably 10 11 12 years old my dad was a restaurant manager uh and in the summertime he'd take my brother and i um he worked for we were in arkansas at the time he worked for a kind of a catfish house type operation called the hush puppy and there's there's still one or two of them left noodling? Uh, they in go the noodling? world. Uh, no, he didn't. No, we weren't. It all came off of a truck. We didn't go okay. find our own. He didn't I go find you. his own catfish. What, what is noodling? That's that's when you like find the catfish living down in their holds in the river, and you reach down and you grab them. You basically let them bite you, and then you, yeah, yeah. It's hand fishing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now everything came everything came in boxes already filleted, just kind of like kind of like we like to do. But uh, you, you've given Paul an idea. Yeah. No, you have not given me an idea. You give me a nightmare. Yeah, I didn't know this was possible. But okay, yes, noodling, and we're yeah. we're there. You're picking your catfish up. Yeah. So uh, so that's kind of where this whole thing started, and you know we uh, he did that for a while. Um, we ended up moving back up here to Tennessee to Morristown. My mom was from Knoxville and uh, she wanted to get back here. We bought a little country store uh, in the back of the country store. We had a deli with a butcher who would bring in whole sides of beef. And I mean, he had the bandsaw and the whole nine yards going and I would work in that store. So, you know, I've always kind of done this, but um, as I got older, you know, got into my, probably in my late twenties, early thirties, I started having issues with fatigue, um, you know, things not really feeling quite right. Uh, as I got older, it got worse. I spent about 10 years, uh, going to my general practitioner and, you know, I go in and say, look, man, you know, something's not right. I don't feel good. I've got all this pressure in my head. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm tired all the time, yada, yada, yada. They run all these tests, all of this stuff, and come back and say, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you need to be on antidepressants. You know, you just need this, you need that. And, uh, and, and you know, my thyroid, what, what I have is Hashimoto's disease. And basically, that's when your body attacks the thyroid and destroys it. So my thyroid stopped working when I was a kid. So I'd always been on thyroid medication. Gotcha. 
Um, that, that, that was nothing that I didn't know about, but you know, I would go to the doctor, they would check my levels. Oh, your thyroid's fine. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're just depressed. You're this, you're that, you, you know, all of these symptoms that you say are in your head are just, you know, depression and this and that and the other. And wow. I just, I didn't believe them, you know, and, and this went on for about 10 years. And then finally, um, my physician that I had retired, he was an older guy and he was great. I mean, I, I liked him a lot. He was a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, I think he was just less, he wasn't really trained in how things were in newer things going on. So I got a new general practitioner and when he came in, we sat down and talked he did some tests and things like that. And then he said, you know, he's like, you, you need to go to an endocrinologist. You need to talk to them. This is a little outside of my wheelhouse. So I went to the endo. Um, that's where I got my diagnosis. And about that same time, um, I was, I was already kind of going on the internet, you know, looking at different things. And then once I got my diagnosis and he told me I had Hashimoto's disease, I really started deep diving on it. And uh, started reading a lot about food, food sensitivities, digestion, gut health, things like that. Um, got hooked up through uh, Knox Foodie, through Eric. Um, he called me and he said, hey, I have a friend who's a functional medicine practitioner. She might be somebody that you would be interested in going and seeing. So initially when I met with her, we were talking about maybe doing some cooking classes and then during that meeting, I said, um, I need to be a patient because what you're talking about is a whole lot different than what everybody else has been talking about. And so that's really where it all kind of started. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about and uh, to not get too long into it, since I, I don't really have anything formatted out here and I don't want to jump around too much, but no, you're good. What I. What I've found is with autoimmune disease, and you know, there's about there's 80 to 100 autoimmune diseases out there, give or take. I mean, different different websites tell you different things, but like the big ones are uh, multiple sclerosis, um, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, Sorgan's disease, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, Hashimoto's, um, lupus. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch out there. What, what they're finding now is all of this stuff kind of starts with gut health and, and, and all of these, while the symptoms are different, the, uh, the root causes are typically environmental, uh, physiological, um, digestive. So, you know, that's kind of the route I've taken. Um, fortunately for me with the Hashimoto's disease, it's not as, um, I don't want to say debilitating, but maybe life altering as maybe an MS or something like that. I do have a relative who has MS and, uh, you know, I don't have any pain for me when I have symptoms, it's basically brain fog, lethargy, um, memory issues, things like that. Hard to focus. Uh, the easiest way I can describe it to people is it's, it's like a really bad hangover. Hmm. Um, and it's just pretty consistent, you know, uh, it's constant monitoring. You can, you can kind of get it tweaked in a little bit and, uh, and then things change in your body and you have to like, I go about, I go about every six to eight weeks, uh, maybe three months and have my thyroid tested and, and it's always kind of up and down and we're, we're changing things and doing this and doing that. Actually yesterday I went, had my blood work drawn again cause I haven't been feeling very good. Um, waiting for that to come back. So, you know, it's, um, 
it's a challenging thing, but at the same time, I also feel like I'm, I'm pretty lucky because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have issues that are a lot worse than mine. Um, but yeah, that, you know, that's kind of, I think that, uh, it was kind of, I laughed a little bit when I got my diagnosis. So I was like, you know, here I am a chef. This is how I make my living. And, uh, and how I make my living is hurting me. Hmm. So, you know, what am I going to do? You know, how can I, how can I do this? And, uh, there for a hot minute and, and Paul was, kind of along for this ride a little bit. I, I did kind of a, an autoimmune based meal prep program with a couple of friends of mine here in town. And we did that for about six or seven months. Um, what we found was with having kind of three owners or three people that were needing to dig into the pie there, that it, the, the scalability of it to make it all financially feasible for all of us was pretty challenging and you know i realized that physically it was going to be way too much on me to be able to continue to do that day in and day out especially i was working full-time as a chef trying to do that on the side working seven days a week um it was it was uh not killing me but it was definitely making making life pretty hard you know yeah i so, um, I, I remember when i remember when you stopped doing that and dude your quality of life went through the roof um yeah as soon as you went yo this just isn't worth it you know um i you know not to bring corona into it but that that's a that's a big thing that's going on you know like people are realizing quality of life over income right now now granted income's important i'm not trying to get away <laughs> not trying to get away from that <laughs> Also, leaving the house might be really important as well right now. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, on the autoimmune thing, you know, it, it's so crazy how much your diet actually affects you. Um, you know, just me personally, I've kind of like I've been on a weight loss journey and been really successful this year until this whole thing hit. And then I was like, mm, yeah, forget that. I'm going to eat whatever I want. And now my shirts are a little bit tighter again and everything. But I mean, even with, even with Ashley, her voice is like, depending if she eats the wrong thing, her voice, her singing voice goes crazy out there. So, I mean, I don't, you know, when you say autoimmune and diet and things like that, I, I get where you're going with it, but I, I don't think it <clears throat> personal opinion. Uh, I, I don't care if you are liable against me. I don't have anything you can take. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Right. But your diet very, very much, I think, affects absolutely everything in your life. I mean, it, even even on normal every day, I mean, even when you're like, hey, man, I don't really feel like eating that today. I've just felt so heavy the last few days. Right. I mean, I, like I've said it before, like, hey, I just want a salad. Like I, even when I, you know, wasn't eating healthy or anything, it was, man, I, I just don't want pizza today. I really want a salad. I want to feel better. And, you know, I mean, like, anyways, it, it, it legitimately blows me away because I've seen the transition. I don't want to say that we've known each other for this long, but I'm going on like 24 years right now. 24, 24. Well, it was, I was 18, yeah, man. Yeah, because this was, we met at Getty's View. Yeah, where I was a dirty dishwasher. It was you great. Were dirty, you, were, you were a dirty <laughs> Trash can dive and dishwasher. And then I would come in and like try to do everybody's work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and that, so that was 90, 
97. Yeah. yeah. And I only lasted there like four or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, because old big country over here, as we used to call him, was like, dude, you got to get out of here, man. <laughs> like, he's like, you got to leave. Now, no offense to no offense to the chef that was there. He's still a local chef, still owns a restaurant. He's a good dude, all that. But he was like, dude, you're, you're never going to go anywhere if you're here. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. need you to know that. And then um, I don't know if it was you or what. I know you encouraged me to go to Blackberry. I think I was just so annoying that I called John Fleer every day at 10 a.m. for like two weeks till he gave me a job. Um, but it, it did it come from you as well? My um, there's no need for a big name culinary school, even though you went to one and it's great. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not worth it, but you were like, dude, if you can't afford it, don't don't go. Yeah. Was that yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, there's 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 been there's been a a lot of brain pollution between now and then. But if I remember correctly, I think that, you know, I probably reached out to Fleer at that point and just said, hey, you know, I know this guy. But outside of that, that's the only thing that I had to do with it. But, yeah, I've told, you know, I, I taught um, up until I had I went on to this, uh, you know, manufacturing rep gig a couple of years ago. I taught culinary at UT uh, for 10 years part-time. Uh, I did that for a long time. And, and some of that was the hobby classes through the personal and professional development department. Uh, some of that was the, uh, the course that they still do now. It's like a six week ACF certification course. Uh, a lot of that is military grants and stuff like that. But I would have people come in on the hobby class and be like, you know, I want to go to culinary school and I want to be, do this and I want to do that. And I'd really get into conversations with them. And most of them would be like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You just, 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 just do what you do. And I had a guy. I was like, "What do you do for a living?" He was like, "I'm an engineer." And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to ask you how much I make, but I have a pretty good idea how much you make. Can you, can you live on eleven dollars an hour?" And I mean, his jaw just about hit the floor. And uh, I was like, "Don't, don't transition careers, man. Just, just stay what you're doing." But to get to Paul's point, correct. You don't have to go to a big name culinary school to be a chef. You know. Um, um, Oh, the French laundry guy. Uh, Thomas what's his name? Keller. Thomas Keller. He never went to culinary school. What was it? Like a computer programmer or some something crazy like that? I can't remember yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't think I don't think that um, Thomas Keller went to culinary school. No, he didn't. Um, yeah, he didn't. So, you know, didn't. Bourdain didn't. Um, like I mean, yeah, Fleer you know, did. I, but yeah. that was after he got a master's degree. Yeah, so. he already had a master's from Duke in something completely non-related, and 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 then and, and, and decided. I don't know the timeline. You know, he was he was um, Mary Tyler Moore's personal Mary Tyler chef. Moore's personal. Jeez, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I'm not feeling so hot today, so my brain's moving a little no, slow. No, the but, the uh, reason I know this is because you may have made that phone call, and I get to give you that, right? And you may have got me in the door and everything. I just remember him hiring me, and my first day, he told me I wasn't allowed to call his office for two months because I legitimately, every day at 10 a.m., called him. Every day, 10 a.m., gave him a phone call. And he was like, I knew it was 10 a.m., and he hired me, I think, partially as well so i would just leave him alone yeah. he never thought i was going to last i'm i'm going to be flat out he didn't think i was going to last at all and i mean like he it was 
absolutely one of the funniest, craziest times up in that place ever. Uh, uh, yeah, I loved it, you know, and, and it was even, you know, when I got the job there, I was, you know, I went to Johnson and Wales when they were still in Charleston. And the whole reason I even knew about Blackberry Farm, even though I'm from here, I'd never even heard of it at, at that point. You know, prior to me going to culinary school, I worked in chain restaurants and all of that. And, and I had a cook who had left and gone to culinary school and would, you know, he'd come back to Knoxville on weekends or breaks or whatever and just talk about how great it was. And I was, you know, I did a couple, I did about a year and a half at Middle Tennessee State straight out of high school and just didn't do very well and was always kind of just working in bars and stuff like that, cooking in kitchens and just kind of got to that point where I was like 23 years old and was like, all right, I got to do something, man. And my buddy was like, oh yeah, you know, this culinary school thing was great and it's this and you learn how to cook and do all this stuff. And so that's kind of where I went down that path and I just, I chose Charleston cause it was, it was close. It was a good school. Um, you know, I was, I, I wasn't great in high school. So basically, you know, all you had to do was have your check clear and they would let you in. So that was awesome. Um, so, yes, they do. so I, yeah, I, <laughs> I ended up going there. Um, I got a job at Magnolia's, which is where I worked when I was in culinary school. Um, and uh, Donald Berkman, who was the original chef at Mags and was for a while, uh, he ended up going to Blackberry Farm and did a one of those guest chef weekend things. And it was right before I graduated. And so he and I were talking. Uh, they they offered me a job, um, not as a sous chef, but more as like a PM supervisor at Magnolia's uh, if I wanted to stay once I graduated. And, and I liked Charleston, but it just wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I was like, no, I'm going to go back home, you know? And he was like, well, you're from Knoxville, right? Yeah, I'm from Knoxville. He said, you have to go to Blackberry farm. I don't care what they pay you. I don't care if you have had four jobs, yeah. you go to Blackberry farm and you work. And, and kind of to your point, Paul, I didn't call him every day, but you know, I, I had to call Fleer probably about six or eight times before he would even return my call. And I think that he did that on purpose just because they had so many people calling oh, you know, yeah. to try like, to get that job. So, to see how persistent you're going to be. Oh, dude, 100%. Dude, we put them through the ringer when they walked through that door, too. And, uh, you know, so I went up and uh, he finally called me back, went up there. I, you know, staged for a night or two. And, uh, and they brought me on, and, you know, back then, and it was kind of the same for you because, you know, when you went, I hadn't been gone from there that long. Blackberry farm was not what it is now. I mean, not the quality or anything like that, but just the sheer size of it. I mean, we, when I was there, we had a max, I think there was a maximum occupancy of 28 people. Um, we had, you know, the old kitchen, the, uh, the grease trap on the stoves were, were had rusted holes in them. And, you know, the, the walk-in was an old root cellar that you had to hide from the health The butcher block and, table that shifted every time you cut. Did you yeah. have that one too? Absolutely. Man, that's absolutely really scary. Dude, but we're, we're putting out like relay. You, I don't know if you know what relay and Chateau is, but relay and Chateau, like Michelin star rated food gotcha. out of this kitchen. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, what are we working in? <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, but I mean, you know, you don't, you don't have to have the best equipment to put out great food. You just have to have good staff with passion. And that was, a, that was the thing that I loved about working there was, yeah. you know, it was a small team. I mean, there was literally like nine chefs in the kitchen. We had one full-time baker, a couple of dishwashers, 
And that was it. You'd walk in the door and they'd be like, okay, the prep list is over on the table. And it was literally a legal pad, handwritten. And you would just put your initials next to what you wanted to prep. And everybody just, you know, jumped in. It was a team atmosphere. Yeah. There was there was not really any kind of egos or anything going on in that place. That's really cool. It was awesome. I mean, Dude, fear I mean, was the greatest. Yeah, I mean, to the point of, like, if you were in the morning and, like, line cooks are line cooks. Let's just put it out there. And... Like if you were hungover, you could call whoever was PM and be like, dude, I, I need you to work. Or if you were with them the night before, they'd be like, man, I'm going to cover your shift in the morning. And you'd show up and Fleer or whoever the Sioux was at the time would be like, what are you doing here? Oh, man, homie's like sick. He doesn't feel good. So I'm just covering for him, right? They all knew what was going on. Like every one of them knew 100% what the real truth was. And then they'd come in, they'd be like, yeah, I just had this like little stomach bug in the morning. Just and they were bug. like, uh, sure, whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, uh, it, was, it was a really cool environment. You know, the, the only reason why I left there, and that was one of the things when I look back on my career that I regret was leaving. Uh, I was there for about two years, but you know, they they don't really pay a lot, which is fine. Um, and and the attitude was, you know, you're here for the experience. There's a hundred other people that want your job, and, and that's not. I mean, it wasn't really. I don't want to frame it like they were. They would use that as leverage or anything, but that's just kind of the way it was. I mean, it was. You know, I mean, John Fleer's hands. He wasn't the one that set the pay scale necessarily, but you know, it. Uh, I just couldn't afford to work there anymore really is what it boiled down to and at the time i was looking for advancement and uh john belichick and uh i think the other the amc chef was matt neither one of them were going anywhere yeah, i was like man anywhere. i'm making 750 an hour i got student loans you know yeah. that's why i ended up going to getty's view um, and doing that was just for some different opportunities yeah yeah, but, yeah, I was just uh, going to say, I see so many parallels to like the music world. And of course, that's my background. But, you know, this, the school thing even that you mentioned, like I went to school for eight years just to get an undergrad in jazz drumming. And like it, it's not entirely necessary, you know, like what you're saying with culinary school. But even then, like from there, it's sort of like, what do you do? And a lot of uh, gigs and things, I think, early on are just for exposure, where yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of like what you're saying about just making 750 an hour and getting the experience. And, you know, yeah. if you don't get really good from there, you're just going to keep doing that same thing yeah. for years. Yeah. the I mean, like on my resume, like no one even looks at my culinary degree. Really? I mean, I have one from Walter State Community College. Yeah. yeah. But but you know, flat out, I paid $1,500 for mine. Like that's how much I paid to go to culinary school. Yeah. You saw they it. look at, they look at the resume heavy hitters. What'd you say? I said, you suck. I paid about 30 grand for mine. Well, yeah, really. so like they, well, and now, I mean like CIA Johnson Wales, it's a hundred G's man. It's a hundred thousand dollars. It's, it's crazy. Listen to this not to cut you off, but you know, I, I have an, I got an associates. I did the two year program. Yeah. They didn't have a four yeah. years. They didn't have a bachelor's in culinary. When I was there, you could, you could transition over to hotel restaurant management, but I had already managed kitchens and stuff like that. And just didn't feel like I needed it. I, I called them. It's maybe four or five years ago. I looked into, uh, getting my 
bachelor's online in culinary just because I'd been talking with UT about maybe going and full time with them and you, you have to have a bachelor's and they wanted for online they wanted 30 grand to complete my my associates to a bachelor's and I just laughed at him and hung the phone up I was like you're absolutely crazy first of all how do you get a culinary degree online I have yet to figure that one out right. if anybody can explain I, it to me that would be great so uh, but but I mean, like, and then I talk to these kids, you know, you know, I'm in student ministry and everything. And they're like, yeah, I want to go to culinary school. I'm going to come out and be a chef. And I'm like, first of all, no, you're not. <laughs> Second of all, you still going to be a dirty, grubby line cook. Yeah. Like you don't have to start dish. Now you get to start as a prep cook. Also, you're going to get 50 cents more an hour and that's it. Like, don't yeah. like, I mean, you're gonna make 1250 an hour, not 12 bucks. Is it worth it? Really? I don't think so. Mm. And now I don't think it is now, you no, know, it was from a financial standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, and I did it. I did it because I felt like it would be a good way for me to learn the fundamentals. And I, and, and, you know, I, I fully realized that. F, but it was, uh, you know, at the time I felt like that was, that was the right route for me to go. And, you know, while I was in culinary school, I was working at Magnolia's. Uh, there's a place in Somerville, South Carolina, called the Woodlands, which uh, is uh, like a four-star, four-diamond relay and chateau. They were building it when I was in school, and I got a job there. Uh, I worked there on Saturday and Sunday in the morning, um, just doing whatever. Uh, the the chef was a guy named Ken Vadrinsky. He's still in Charleston. He owns a couple of restaurants now. Uh, this guy was bad, man. I mean, he, he, he's, 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 he's a wicked chef and, and he taught me a lot just working there part time. So, you know, I mean, I was working two jobs, working probably 50 hours a week and going to culinary school all at the same time, just trying to get that experience. And I would go, you know, I'll be in class with kids that were working at Blockbuster Video, you know, or working at, at, at non-food related jobs. And they'd be like, oh, when I graduate, I'm going to be an executive chef. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm glad this is on Facebook because I don't know how many people, if we were on a different platform, would know what Blockbuster video is. Yeah. I'm just putting that like, <laughs> yeah, Instagram or TikTok. There's True. no, there's no Blockbuster, yeah. right? <laughs> Used to be a blue box. Looks like a TARDIS. Well, Mark, um, it's really cool hearing your story. I was also really wanting to ask you, um, like what, what are some of those recipes and what are some of those foods that are good for like gut health and what are good for you? And right. yeah, cause I'm, so, I'm really interested in that just personally. So it's a, it's a big rabbit hole, but just sure. to kind of skim the surface. Um, when I really got into looking at gut health and healing my gut to make me feel better, there was, there's diet. And then there's digestion. So the digestion aspect of it is a, a regular regimen of a good, clean probiotic and digestive enzymes. Um, I take a probiotic every morning and I, I carry around um, my digestive enzymes with me. And anytime I eat, right before I eat, I take a digestive enzyme. It just helps break down the food. Mm. Um, people with autoimmune conditions have a hard time digesting certain things. So even 
even if it's a food that's compliant, uh, I, my, my system still needs help digesting stuff. You know, the, the gut, the bacteria levels could be off. Gotcha. Um, you know, what I had going on was I had a lot of scarring in my digestive system because of the foods I was eating. So I wasn't digesting food properly. Um, there's leaky gut syndrome, which is when things literally physically leak through the lining of your gut into your body. And, and there are, you know, I'll also say this. There are people that that um, more traditionally Western trained people that will debate this stuff. And, and that's fine. You know, they, they can believe what they want to believe. I'm going to believe what I want to believe. So, mm-hmm. you know, there there could be some people that would say, oh, yeah, I mean, my my, my endocrinologist told me that, you know, uh, functional medicine was a joke. I had nothing to do with it. I might as well burn my money. Um, it got, it got, it got fairly heated. Once he diagnosed me, I went back and saw him one more time. As soon as we started talking about that, I basically was like, see you later. You're not getting any more of my money. You know, I'm out of here. And, and then I transitioned over, you know, and, and to kind of piggyback on that, when you look at functional medicine versus traditional Western medicine, functional medicine goes after the root cause. And I'm not saying that traditional Western medicine is completely wrong because I still have my general practitioner. I still need to get antibiotics and certain things sometimes. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying that that I'm just saying that I feel like, you know, a lot of them are still operating on old information and not as open to new information. Sure. Um, so, so with me, Traditional Western medicine was giving me a Band-Aid where I needed to cure the symptom. You know, a lot of these pharmaceuticals that they give you, um, and I still take pharmaceuticals. I take a pill for my thyroid, but a lot of the pharmaceuticals, they give you mask symptoms. They don't cure the symptoms or they don't don't get to the root cause. So that's kind of the big difference with, with looking at diet and all of this stuff. What I'm trying to do is get to the root cause and manage that process to where I don't have it. So, so, you know, there's the probiotics, there's the digestive enzymes with the diet. Um, basically I went on a modified autoimmune paleo protocol. So when I started my diet and when I was, and I'm not on it a hundred percent right now, which I, I need to kind of get back on it because mm-hmm. I've been feeling the effects of it. Um, but for about a year and a half, um, I was on the autoimmune, it's called the AIP diet, the autoimmune paleo protocol is what I did. And so the big triggers for a lot of people with autoimmune, and this kind of goes across the spectrum, is gluten, grains, soy, dairy. It's a long list. So uh, gluten, grain, soy, dairy, um, legumes, uh, nightshades, um, processed foods, all the garbage that's in processed foods, alcohol, uh, caffeine. Uh, can be hard. That's why I don't drink coffee anymore. Caffeine kind of, I, I love coffee. I, it's, it's one of the harder things You're that, good, man. That, I, that I've, that I've had to uh, deal with, but um, you know, coffee's a twofold because it comes from a bean. Beans are hard to digest, even if it's an extracted liquid form right. and the caffeine, you know, every now and then I'll drink a cup of coffee and uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, you know, rolling the dice. Sometimes it doesn't bother me. Sometimes it does. Yeah. So, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, so like, you know, all processed foods were off the table. So for over a year, I was very, very strict. And, you know, one of the side effects, which is a good side effect, uh, is weight loss because 
you're getting rid of, you know, I was, I, I, and kind of the funny thing was, you know, for seven years, I was the executive chef at UT Medical Center. Um, and part of my job there was teaching classes through the healthy living kitchen. So, and this was pre-diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So before I was diagnosed, I was teaching classes for celiac patients. I was teaching classes for cancer patients, for diabetes, all of this stuff, you know, teaching how to cook healthy not realizing that, you know, I was one of those people right. that was having wow. these issues, which, which was kind of funny, but, uh, you know, with your, with an, with a, a, an under, with an underactive or inactive thyroid weight gain is definitely one of the things your thyroid is the second computer chip next to your brain that regulates every function in your body. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm six and a half feet tall. I'm a big dude, but I was always, kind of overweight, um, always carried a little extra. Uh, as soon as I went on this diet, I, I was at 279 pounds, which was normally, my average was usually around 240 or 250. But I stopped taking my thyroid medicine because I, I was sure that the type of pills I was taking were bad for me. And in and, and some ways they were. Um, and, and I had to switch up to different ones, but when I, when I stopped taking them, I started gaining more weight, getting more inflammation, all that. I went on this diet and in about a year and three months, I went from 279 pounds to 205 pounds. Dude, um, he dropped weight like that. Hey, yeah. um, really quick. Hey, I, I don't want to like stop you in this, but is there a link for what you were talking about? Yeah. Like the diet, the, yeah, yeah. Like, let's put it in there. Cause well, we're going to yeah. have a lot of people <laughs> ask us and not going to know where to send them. Well, it's not necessarily a link, but you can just go on to Google and Google autoimmune paleo diet or AIP diet. And I mean, autoimmune paleo protocol or just AIP diet. And I mean, that's all I did. And stuff just pops up. Yeah. I mean, it's all all on healthline.com. Yeah. Looks like it. And and the, uh, yeah. And the other thing, you know, and we can just kind of segue away from what I was talking about because there's so much that, you know, I think that so so getting the information is great. Um, the biggest thing outside of the physical aspect of it is the mental aspect of it. I mean, you got to you got to think about this, you know, you anybody and, and you know, I'm on a lot of social media private groups that are autoimmune related. And it's the same story over and over and over and over. And I was right there with it, you know. You feel like there's something wrong with you. You can't get it diagnosed. People tell you that, that you're, you just need to be on antidepressants. Nobody's listening to you. The depression, the the um, anxiety, the just, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't even begin to describe, you know, mentally what kind of a state I was in because of this and feeling like you're the only one that's experiencing this. And then you find you get it. You start learning about it. You get into these chat groups or these closed Facebook pages and you find there are thousands of people out there that have the same issue. You start reading their stories and it's exactly the same over and over and over. I mean, I would read stories and be like, this is identical. I mean, it's my story. Exactly. Right. You know, it's a little different from men. Autoimmune is, is when when you look at who has autoimmune, it's two to one women to men. So women are much more susceptible than men are. Uh, it's kind of funny. So a lot of these groups I'm on, I'm like, I'm the only dude in here, you know, but, uh, but even, even the stories that people are telling, it's all the same. So just figuring out that you're not alone in this and figuring out, learning that you actually have something that's a legitimate thing 
you know, I mean, that was the biggest relief for me. And, you know, even, even with my family, I mean, you know, as soon as I came home and opened up the computer and I was like, see all these, uh, like 21 symptoms, this is everything, you know, the moodiness, this, that, the other. I mean, I was so disengaged from my family and just because I just felt horrible all the time and just knowing what I had. I mean, even though, even though that day I came home with my diagnosis, I still felt horrible. I, I, you know, nothing had changed yeah. at that point. Mentally, I was like, all right, you know, I know what it is. Was it like, I know there's a way to work. Finally, there's an answer. Like there's some validation. <clears throat> Excuse it, me. it was, it was, it was probably the most liberating day yeah. of my life yeah. at that point. Well, let's not, let's not take away from uh, the light at the end of the tunnel or, Hey, the, de- you know, there is a depression side to this yeah. because we, we, we don't shy away from this subject, Mark. Like we, we've actually talked about it a lot, especially with, that people being locked in their houses right now, not being able to get out, not sure. feeling like they're alone. And now they may be dealing with this on top of it. And, you know, I mean, honestly, man, you being on here right now may help one person. And that for me is the best thing right now. Um, being able to say, Hey, look, you know, if you're having all these crazy symptoms going on, it might be straight up this, issue and you might be able to solve it just diet right now you know i mean i'm not saying no. totally like i'm not i'm not saying that i want to no. make sure that that's no but and no, you may want to go get diagnosed but you may be they may be able to say you know what this is this is this lines up with what i have hey and i'm not trying to go too far but like hey i didn't think there was a way out i'm thinking about hurting myself but why don't i try this first you know, Absolutely. and be like, yo, here, like, all right, let's replace whole, gr- you know, let's replace grains with sweet potatoes or, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm just throwing out examples well, of what I yeah, actually and, know about. And paleo. Just, sure. And just, you know, I've got my, my phone here with the feed up and Eric Jones put on here, AIP diet wonder if that would help with psoriasis. The answer is quite possibly, I mean, I'm not going to say Eric? yes for sure. Right. Um, but you know, and, and just, you know, a couple of the issues that I had was rosacea on my face, you know, the redness mm-hmm. on the face that you see people have. I had that really bad growing up. I had it really bad and it, and it got better as I got older, but it was still there. And then I had, um, you know, I guess it was some kind of psoriasis on my elbows. You know, you see people that have the psoriasis on their elbows uh, and asthma, really bad asthma. When I went on my AIP diet and was on it strict, all of that went away. Wow. Dude, Every that's bit awesome. You know, yeah, and, I, and I, I don't know that you have to necessarily be diagnosed with an autoimmune condition for that to happen. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the bigger thing that, that I look at um, is the processed foods. I mean, we are so heavy on processed foods as a culture. And when you read those labels, you know, and when I was on this at first, uh, for about a year, I was on Facebook pretty heavy and I was getting pretty, I was on my soapbox a lot about, you know, processed foods and this and that and the other. And. And, and, and I, you know, just to be totally transparent, after about a year and a half, um, my diet was so strict and so limited that I started developing oral intolerances to the clean food that I was eating because I was eating so much of the same thing. Um, I mean, I was yeah. eating cauliflower by the pounds, and then I started being, becoming intolerant to cauliflower. So you have to vary your diet. That's the hard part about it. And and after a while, you know, an autoimmune paleo protocol diet is an elimination diet. Yeah. And it's not, it's not necessarily meant to be permanent. Some people do it permanently. Not everybody does. So as I started reintroducing things back into my diet, one, 
you know, because I mean, I was a chef for so many years. I, I'm missing a lot of food. Uh, and they taste and good. I wanted to, yeah, and I wanted to eat certain things. I mean, like I don't do gluten at all. You know, I, I haven't had a pe- I haven't had a, a drink of alcohol in over four years. I haven't had a pizza in over four years. But you know, there were some things that I was like, okay, I'll try this. You know, if it's yeah. if it's not gluten or soy, I'm going to try it. And some things I can eat, and some things I can't eat. Yeah. I still get reactions to them. Right. But um, you know, as soon as I started loosening up my diet and and eating some of these things, my you know my asthma came back a little bit. I went, I went really low carb. Like I didn't do keto. I think keto was great if you know how to do it right. Um, a lot of people think keto is basically like a carnivore diet, and that's not really the case. It's just like super, super, super like 20 net grams of carbs a day or less, which is hard to do. I mean, 20 net grams of carbs is like a half a potato, if that, you know, a quarter of a banana. And, and you get carbs out of vegetables. Um, but you know, people that do keto, right. It's still a very heavy plant based diet. It's just high in fat and you're eating healthy fats. You're eating avocados, you're eating, you know, grass fed beef, you know, uh, wild caught fish, things like that. Um, I didn't even really go down. I, I tried it for about two or three weeks and, uh, I couldn't sustain it myself. But, you know, when I, when I was doing all that, um, all of this, babies hello you there oh no, sorry i'm here yeah, i'm here there was, just, uh, there, there was some trauma in the background there for a second oh mine but, uh, as well yeah, were, were yeah. we together on oh, the trauma right. or is it you. My trauma. i think that was you oh, oh, no. he uh he saw the bottle and was not given the bottle fast enough basically he wanted something without saying it when he didn't get it he started yelling about it and i'm not going to say he inherited that from anybody but um but you know i mean like <laughs> anyway sorry hey, it's all right hey uh, it's okay. jeremy we're all we're all there mine do the I, same thing they're just not hey listen i mark i want i want to tell you my most impressive kitchen throwing story um Somebody plated fish wrong for like the fifth or sixth time, and I broke a cambro, a six quart cambro against a wall. <laughs> that's hard. To do. What's that? I said that's hard to do. What is that exactly? Yeah, it was impressive. It was impressive. It's like it's like Superman Tupperware oh, is what okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just food storage containers, yeah. polyethylene, polystyrene, things like that. If it had been a Carlisle brand, which was the company I was repping before all this started, they probably wouldn't have broke. But since it was a Cambro, eh, you know, I, I get it. That, I still get to meet a single human that has broken a Cambro against a wall. So it's hard. So it's you're hard right. to do. Hey, it's well, I intentionally uh, missed his head, though. I do want you to understand that I did not throw it directly at him hey so. to, to take it more uh more personal and and more to the present too uh mark what kinds of things have you been doing since the uh since the rona has hit how are you staying sane how are you staying entertained and what's going on over there um well so you know I, i'm my wife and i are relatively introverts uh more her than me but you know I'm totally cool staying at home most of the time. I mean, it's, it's now it's getting to be a little much, but it's still not that bad. You know, we're not overly social people. Gotcha. Uh, we have our group of friends and all of that. Um, you know, my wife, her and her friends are doing, you know, kind of uh, 
a social thing on Skype or Zoom or whatever. They, they get together once a week and sit out on the back porch for an hour and just kind of talk and all of that stuff. For me, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I picked up kickboxing, which I'm still not sure if that was smart to, or not to do at 48 years old, but uh, I'm doing it anyway. Uh, we've my the, the place I go has transitioned over to online classes uh, and my son does it. So um, I've done done a couple of those. I haven't done as much because I haven't been feeling as good lately. Um, but, you know, I, I take my dog out. I, I live out here in Farragut kind of and the uh, North Shore Shoto Road area. So uh, I take my dog when the weather's nice and I go hit the trails and, and we, we, we go walking on the trails. Um, I'm, I'll get my mountain bike out and, uh, and I'll just ride uh, the greenways around here. Um, some people might see me going down Kingston Pike. I, I, go, I do about a 12-mile loop. Uh, I kind of live behind Willow Creek Golf Course back in that area, so I'll go all the way up to Kingston Pike, uh, go down to Kroger, go down, con- go down Concord Road to Turkey Creek, make a big loop back, uh, do that. I've uh, been doing a lot of smoking on the Traeger Grill, um, which is, has been a lot of fun, and, and a lot of stuff around the house. I've mulched my flower beds. I've pressure washed all the concrete. I've pressure washed the house. I've you know, repainted a bunch of uh, concrete on the foundation on the backside where they, you know, where the, the contractors are too cheap to run the siding. So they just put the skim coat on the concrete yeah. that it all peeled off because my house is a little bit older. So I, you know, did some skim coating and some painting and things like that. Um, binge watch. I'm not, we're not talking about Tiger King. Yes, I've seen it. Let's move on. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, thank you, I, 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 I binge watched, uh, five seasons of Homeland because I, I, I got about halfway into the second season and stopped. So I finished that the other day. I'm now on season three of Ozark, which I'd seen the first two. I just hadn't picked up on it. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Netflixing and stuff like that, you know, hanging out with kids, yeah. um, going out and done some stuff with them. Um, and, you know, fortunately for me, um, you know, when, when this whole thing hit, you know, the company that I was with, um, I, I, they, they had to lay some of us off. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got two more, I got two more paychecks, so I still have one coming. Um, and I have a little bit of savings, not a ton, but you know, um, that, and then the craziest thing for me was, uh, which was funny, you know, I just been on Facebook commenting about this, commenting about that. I put some comment on there about, yeah, I got laid off this, that, and the other. Well, one of my, one of my, uh, old employees that I used to work with at UT medical center. She, she worked in the kitchen with me, reached out to me and said, Hey, I heard you got laid off. I, I've been working for the unemployment office for about five years now. Have you filed for unemployment? And I was like, yeah, I filed the other day, but you know, nothing's going to happen until after the 15th. Cause I still got another paycheck coming. And she was like, well, I'll pick up your case. So oh, wow. that was, you know, oh, that's awesome. Just, yeah. Just having that, not, not having to worry about that because I've had to do unemployment a couple of times in my life and it's always yeah. stressful. You never really know, you know, but she picked it up and she's like, okay, you know, I mean, she's just telling me what to do. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really holding out on this uh, extra 600 bucks a week to come in that between yeah, that be- and our savings will be okay for yeah, a while. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've uh, I'm not, when it first happened, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to sit around. I'm going to go out. I'll go get, you know, get to Kroger or somewhere and just get something to do. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
And, and, you know, but the more I thought about it and the more I started, you know, with me having a compromised immune system, the last thing I want to do is get out and expose myself to getting the coronavirus and with my asthma, you know, because it's, it's such a big cardiovascular deal. It's not worth the risk for me to do something like that. Right. Um, so Working I'm, I'm just kind of rising. Not be the the best thing, right? I was going to ask about that too because, like, I went and did a pickup order on Sunday, and I'm going to the Kroger at like Cedar Bluff and Kingston Pike over here. Big one, you know, they sell clothes and shoes, which is still really weird to me. Used to but, sell couches, yeah. by the Used way. Used to sell couches. Um, yeah. But nobody walking into that store is taking any of this seriously. When I went to do oh, a pickup, no. just three and four groups of three and four people and no masks or anything. I was wondering what that's like out in Farragut where you're riding. Well, um, so on the if you're talking about the greenways, yeah, nobody's really wearing any kind of mask or anything, but yeah. it's not that crowded. Oh, yeah. um, gotcha. And the. the, the the trail, the trails that I go on, I'll run into a couple people here and there, but everybody kind of widens out a little bit and, Hey, how you doing? Yeah, and just yeah. kind of tries to get around real quick and moves on. Um, now we, we, uh, my daughter and I last week went down to third Creek Greenway down off Sutherland mm-hmm. and rode cause she, she's nine and you know, she doesn't ride like I do, but we just wanted to get out of the house. And I thought that would be a good place for her to ride. There's not a lot of big Hills and long climbs and stuff like that. And, when we were down there, it was a lot more crowded. Um, and, and I saw maybe a third of the people wearing masks. Now, you well, know, in fairness, I didn't, I didn't start wearing a mask until about a week ago, yeah. but I've not really gone out. You know, I, if, if, if we need to go to the store, I go to the store and, and we happen to have a, a bag of, you know, they're not the N95 or whatever, but it's just kind of your standard mask. They give you in a hospital. Sure, we had a box sure. of those in the closet left over from a while back. So I just take one of those. I go to the store. I have a little thing, a hand sanitizer. I put in my pocket. I sanitize my hands when I go in. I sanitize my hands when I come out. Honestly, you know, I don't, I think that when you, when you start debating the legitimacy of this and, you know, Oh, it's, you know, it's overblown and it's this and it's that I'm like, well, you know, people are, are talking about, you know, in Knoxville, well, you know, it's, we're doing too much and we need to open back up the economy. And that, I'm like, and to me, I'm like, well, you know, we're probably doing a pretty good job, which is maybe why we don't have as many cases as Nashville and Atlanta and places like that are doing. So the people that are saying, you know, this is just a bunch of hype and it's a bunch of hoo-ha and whatever, whatever. And, you know, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe what we're doing is actually working, but kind of my point of that is, is, you know, I don't, I don't think that, I think that a lot of people aren't taking it as seriously here because the numbers aren't as low. And and I feel relatively safe going out in, in a very limited capacity to go to the store and stuff like that. I mean, I go to Costco uh, and, and they literally have like the, the hand pump sprayers that you see people like spraying stuff in the yard and they're lining the carts up at the front door and they are soaking those carts from one end to the other. Right. And they're not, and, and you have to take one of their sanitized carts, you know, Kroger is not doing that and I'm not knocking them by any stretch. Um, but they have they have people out there with little handheld spray bottles. They're kind of doing the same thing. Um, so you know, the the thing that the thing that concerns me a little bit is the the food trucks in the neighborhoods. Um, and and I'm not don't get Paul I'm, started. Don't get oh, him started. I know. I know. I've heard him. I've heard him. I've heard him. Now 
that being said, you know, I'm not against people doing having to make a living. You know, I am I'm, not either. But I'm, 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 I'm fortunate enough that that we can we can ride this out for two or three months if we have to. Sure. And I know a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, we've had them in our neighborhood, and we haven't gone. Um, the first, the first one they had here, my neighbor went and he said that it was just like a mob. Um, and there's just a lot of people standing around, not practicing social distancing. Now when they're coming, a lot of them are, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, you text your order in only, you can't come up to the truck. So, right. so they're working on all that well, stuff. But well, still. that's because we got a letter from the health department saying we'd be shut down for months or neighborhoods would be yeah. shut down. Like it's it, it, like, I, I, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent on this. I just, it, it, this is, this is the one thing that baffles my mind. It absolutely baffles my mind. Go to a neighborhood and have everybody gather kind of thing. And I know not, and listen, I'm going to say 99% of everybody doing it is doing it right. Yeah. But it's that 1% that's not that's causing all these issues and almost the reputation of what's going on sure. um in the neighborhoods it's just why we've chosen not to participate honestly yeah so. yeah i had um uh, you know um um oh gosh chef's workshop um reached out to me you know i know i know the guy that owns all that and he sent me a message saying hey if you wanted to do a gig or something like that you could use the trailer and i was like man i appreciate it but it's not worth the risk for me to get out yeah and yeah. And, and even do anything at this point you know they're, they're doing stuff in their neighborhood and and that's great but uh you know for me i'm i'm hunkered down man yeah. i mean i'm not saying that i'm the most strict person um you know, I've gone over to my parents to see them, but they've been under quarantine. We've been under quarantine. You know, we're, we're not really um, doing a whole lot. I mean, I've talked to my neighbor across the street and probably broken the six foot protocol. But, uh, you know, it's um, so so we're doing for the most part, we're doing fine. You yeah. know, when I'm going to start stressing out is if this goes on for two more months and then my savings is gone and. You know, that, that's when I'm really going to start stressing out. So for yeah. right now, I'm just like, eh, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, we're okay for now. Right. It's, it's not the best situation to be in. But um, just ride it out and see what happens. Our health is more important than anything else. Yeah, for sure. So, Speaking and of I've been watching you guys in the morning. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we're, we're I mean, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you come to the financial side of it, I mean, those the stimulus things are coming now. Granted, it might be a month, but at least it's a, but at least it's coming. And, you know, you know, I'm just gonna say a two parent household with two par two kids because I don't know everyone's household. But I mean, like when you're looking at 2,400 extra plus six, I think it's what? How much is it per kid? per kid? Like I four, think. five per kid. So, like so you're looking at, so at $3,400 and then if, if individuals are really getting the extra 600 plus the 275, mm -hmm. you're looking at 875 a week and all those things. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people that are going to get unemployment and actually probably make more money than they were if they were actually going to work at this during these times right now, which I understand yeah. that the thought process and the economy and building it back up and not letting it dip down. And I get all those things. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, but for individuals that have mortgages and car payments and debt, they have to pay off and legitimate, legitimate things that are monthly bills. They are on their way. I'm saying that it's on its way. 
you know, yeah. I'm, I want to believe wholeheartedly that it is coming. So if you'll well, give me just it, a moment, a snap at yeah. my children. <laughs> Somebody, it's supposed to be on its way. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the, and that's the, you know, I've been, I've been talking with uh, my friend who's handling my unemployment for me and, right. and they've, they've not been, they've not been given a directive on the additional $600 a week yet. Um, I, but I, I was reading last night that I think that's going to start rolling out over the next two to three weeks. But she told me that they have not heard anything as of right now, you know, don't know when that extra stimulus check is coming. Um, you know, again, for me, I can, I can pay my bills for a little while mm-hmm. because I had some, I had some savings, but there's a lot of people out there, you know, that don't, but, uh, you know, I'm, crossing my fingers that in six to eight weeks, this thing is going to be over. If it drags on past that, you're going to see a lot of real financial hardship and bankruptcies from people because, yeah. you know, my, my I, I have my mortgage through Chase Bank and, you know, they sent me a thing saying that I could defer my payments for three months and, and I, I had everything set up on auto pay. I'm like, okay, this is great. You know, so I went ahead and did it. Well, then, um, I start digging into it a little bit deeper and yeah, they let you defer it for 90 days, but at the end of that 90 days, you got to pay all three months plus plus the month that you're in. I'm just like, I'm just going to pay my mortgage. I mean, when I, if I run, I'll just wait till I run out of money. BB and T sent a similar thing to us. And then they put something really cool within that. They're basically just saying like, we know that this is hard. You, probably aren't going to be able to pay all of it at once. So we can like redo your mortgage and everything. So I know that that's possible. It's probably possible with most companies, but like that's so much work and so much paperwork, you know, and I know that's going to scare people away from it sometimes, but yeah, that's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, I'm not going to go off on a tangent about that, but um, as soon as, as soon as I, I found that, I was like, I'm not going to get caught on the back end. I mean, I just went ahead and made my mortgage payment, you know, yeah. and that's what we talked about. It's like, look, we're, we're not spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was working, I was burning through two, three tanks of gas a week. I drove so much. I've filled up my car like three weeks ago and I've still got about a half Same. a tank. Yeah. Uh, and so, it only costs dollar sixty a gallon. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, um, I mean, it is what it is. Man, but, on that um, note, real quick, I was going to give a quick shout out to uh, Born and Raised Productions. They're doing a podcast right now, and they recently had uh, a guy named Oslo on who was talking through unemployment for musicians and people in the entertainment industry. So if you're in that position and if you've lost like, you know, 20 gigs this month, go and check out that podcast because it, it's some really helpful information if you're in that in that situation. Hey, let's shift it positive real quick. Uh, what what are you looking forward to the most when all when when we're when the gates are lifted and we're allowed to just run out into the public and sneeze on each other again? Like where 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 are we at? What are you looking forward to the most, Mark? Going back to work. Yeah, yeah. that's. I mean, honestly, you know, somebody say something in the background oh. there. Oh. Hopefully, uh, hopefully with the company that I've been with, which is, is certainly a possibility. If not, you know, they're actually my, my, um, we had multiple principal owners with that company. The one that I directly reported to, he's, he's trying to help me 
you know, gain some other employment. Um, you know, so, so they're helping out with that. I, I just want to go back to work. I mean, again, you know, we're not super social. Uh, I mean, I want to, I'd like to go hang out with our friends, um, let get the kids out of the house, uh, yeah. things like that. But, uh, I just, I just want to be working. That's all I want to be doing. I've heard that from you a know? lot of people, I'll be happy. kids, let's get them back out of the house. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're actually currently, um, I'm planning it. Um, I'm going to test her and make sure she closes her ears, but I've kind of told her about it already, but we're, um, fortunate to have an older one <clears throat> who's going to babysit the kids. And, uh, hopefully we don't get questioned by the police when we do this, but I, I think I'm going to like get dinner or make dinner and then like turn the back of our van and put like pillows and like comforter and stuff back there and actually put in a movie and just go somewhere and watch a movie in the van in silence or just sit in it and play on our phones and not, not have anyone bother us. <laughs> so, um, no, nah, I, I just like, it, you know, I, I just want to, I, I just want to get out. Like, I just really want to get out. Like I want to, I want to talk to random people in the grocery store line is probably what I want to do the most. So, <laughs> Yeah, I want That's the last thing I want to do. That's hilarious. Are you are you a self-checkout person, Mark? Dep no, well, it, it depends on how many items I have. You know, there's 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 a there's exactly. a break there. Now, I will I'm I, I certainly am a believer that self-checkout is, you know, hurting the labor force. Um, and especially when the grocery stores doubled the amount of self-checkout, I felt like that was not the right thing to do. So I will try to go through the regular checkout. And there's a, I do have that part of my brain that's like, I don't work here. I shouldn't have to do this kind of a thing. But uh, I will say that the, the greatest self-checkout was at Costco. When they put them in Costco, because when I go to Costco, I buy like six or eight things. You know, I, I buy the, the 90% of what I buy at Costco is... Um, my animal proteins, because it's the cheapest place to get them out here, you know, unless I'm buying from a, from a local source. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't I don't drink soda anymore. So I drink a lot of Perrier San Pellegrino. Um, so I buy that there in bulk because it's a lot cheaper than the grocery store. And, uh, you know, and I do buy some clothes there depending on what they have going on. But literally, you know, I'm standing behind people that have like 30, 40, 50, 60 items and have to wait on them when they hit that self checkout. I'm like. Yeah, I'll take it. What are you, the 40, 50, 60? I don't no, know. not at all. Uh, I am the, I shop it um, now, not to use the competitor, but I, I use Sam's for, um, for work. Um, that's where we get a lot of our like bulk items, like our seasoning, like a lot of our seasonings, a lot of our, you know, like our plastic wear and some other stuff like tortillas and I could go through a line if you wanted to. Um, but um, Stoke Stoke Coffee. Yes, yeah. there you go. Stoke Coffee. They're they're a wonderful brand. Not a sponsor uh, yet. Not a sponsor yet, but their unsweetened is excellent. Um, so uh, we've decided to start um, our own commercials for companies that don't sponsor us, just in the hopes that they will give us money one day. Um, no, but I have. I have been there so many times that I know how to put everything in the cart like they want it. So they just like pull out and just scan barcodes so I can get in and out of a line in 
you know, like it takes me about three minutes to ring up between 300 and $800 worth of stuff at Sam's. Um, Costco is a totally different beast. Um, we don't, we like you, we don't buy that many, that many things there. Um, I like them more for home. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they have great selections on a lot of items. Uh, you, you know, especially like you said, their proteins, their proteins are legit. Their seafood section is amazing. Um, and, um, it, I've kind of formed a relationship with one of their butchers there and he's, he's pretty cool about making sure that, you know, like he's like, Hey, I got something better. You know, not something necessarily better in the back, but Hey, I know that, I know you like this certain fat content with your rib loin and here, let me go get it for you and yeah. all of those. So it, it's, it's good to have those relationships with, with vendors. I mean, we talk a lot as chefs having a good relationship with your vendor and because they know how to select out and get the, the quote unquote better things because there really are better things. Um, it's that important as a personal, as a human, just shopping for your house to do that as well, because you, because you're able to go to your butcher and call them by name and say, Hey, look, I'm really looking for this specific thing next Thursday night, right? They'll be sure to get it for you, especially local uh, local grocery stores. I'm going to throw out a local grocery store like Butler and Bailey. They are like if you go talk to their butchers and you're like, hey, next week I'm having X, Y, Z over or I'm trying to do something nice for my wife or or anything like that. They will actually hold things back for you. And they're really, really cool about doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys do a great job. And I need Paul, you probably know this. I I need to find some beef ribs. I want to I want to smoke some beef ribs on the trailer. I got you badly. I got you. Okay. so let Uh, me know. Magnolia meat provisions. We'll, We'll take care of you. So, okay. So you can buy off the street. What's that? You can buy off the street. You don't have to have an account. Yeah. You don't have to have an account at all with them anymore. Um, you, you can go just buy retail from them. I mean, you got to call it in. I know they're probably unlimited, um, limited things. Um, if, if Eric is watching or Mark, you may know this as well. They, they have great relationships with a lot of farms as well. Like four corners ranch is she's, she's really cool. Yeah. I know, I know Kimberly well. I was using a lot of their stuff when we were doing the meal prep thing, but uh, I've got about 10 pounds of her ground beef in my freezer now that I'm slowly going through. Yeah, I didn't know if she might have some beef ribs held out. Or Man, anything. this podcast always so, yeah. makes me so hungry, like first thing in the morning for meat, though. They look like Flintstone chops man <laughs> i love how they look so you like the traeger what so do you like the traeger because it's auto feed and you don't have yes. to like manually yes i'm, I'm lazy have you noticed any flavor change from traeger and just using actual normal like old school smoke uh it's the traeger not not like you, yeah. i'm not trying to be this way not like you and i would taste but like not saying novice, but every yeah, yeah. like I so, so fish cut metal. So like I mean, like, so so the thing the thing with the Traeger is uh, it's it's more about the amount of smoke. That's that's mm-hmm. where the change can be. A, a Traeger a pellet grill doesn't really necessarily smoke as heavy as a stick burner is going to. 
um, or if you're doing chips on open coals. The whole reason why I went down the Traeger route is because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the, the whole fun of, of smoking is, you know, sitting out drinking beer all day and watching the food smoke. Well, that, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't entice me one bit. I don't want to do that. That's why that's the main reason why I didn't really smoke a lot of stuff. So for me, it's, um, it's more about the convenience and the consistency, you know, but the one thing that I did to kind of offset that is I, I got, um, you know, I got a bag of hickory pellets and then I got a bag of mesquite pellets. And so mm-hmm. when I, when I'm doing my regular smoking, because the first, the first couple of rounds I did, I did just hickory and it was good. But I wanted it a little bit more smoky. I, so I cut half hickory, half mesquite for most everything I'm doing. And that, that kind of gives it a little bit more of a smoky flavor. Now, when I, you know, I've done a couple of briskets on there. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, and I go I go 100% mesquite. I mean, I like I like Texas style brisket. I yeah. don't, you know, Texas style brisket is it's not just salt and pepper and optional garlic powder. If you're not smoking with mesquite, you're not doing Texas style brisket. As far as I'm concerned, other people may have a different opinion, but um, it it makes a big difference on the flavor, Mm. you know, and I did one, I I just did this last one. I did it for 14 hours, man. I mean, I, I put a picture of it on Facebook, a little video and you could just poke it. And it was like, I saw that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've got got like, I was just going to say you all okay. have to stop because I'm about to go eat something that's not actually so, that. So, so, you're, so you're killing me. The fun me. things about brisket and, is it's two pieces of meat that cook at different temperatures and cook different ways. And you've got to make them. It, it's it, People that do brisket perfect amaze me. <laughs> like, I'm like, I will eat your food all the well, time. You know, but, it's it's kind of like um, creme brulee. You know, creme brulee is about four ingredients. But it's it's really hard for people to get it right. It's it's all it is is the technique. It's time, temperature, patience. You know, I mean, I my first brisket I ever did was horrible, but but now I've got it down. Nice, nice. Well, I was thinking about doing that for a video later this week. So ooh, you're well. Do it, everybody. Yeah. Tune in to uh, no, no creme brulee. Not to the brisket. Old, creme brulee. To the old Paul Moody uh, live cooking show. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on. We're going to wrap things up here. And um, any any last thoughts for anybody listening? Um, yeah, if, uh, if you have chronic undiagnosed issues, uh, if you have skin issues, different things going on, chronic fatigue, whatever it may be, aches and pains that you don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. um, you probably have something going on with an autoimmune condition and just understand that there are lots of other people out there that are in the same boat as you are. Um, you know, go to your doctors, go to an endocrinologist. Uh, if that doesn't get you fixed and you want to take a look into functional medicine, you know, it's out there and there are definitely ways to improve your quality of life, but it takes a lot of hard work and, uh, it takes a lot of determination. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. I, I did just want to, uh, Plug the Patreon one more time. We're we're taking some donations to our site. I'll post it again, and half of all that is going to go to Second Harvest Food Bank too. So, um, Mark, thanks so much for coming on. It was a blast. Thank you. All right. Sure. See y'all tomorrow. <laughs>